First Kings chapter number eight. How many have your Bible this morning? Amen? Amen. I love to hear those pages turning. By the way, let me encourage you, bring a Bible with you. Amen? Amen. And uh, keep your Bible with you. First Kings chapter number eight, verse 54. When we come to this chapter, of course, Solomon's just dedicated the temple. And he's giving a blessing and a prayer. The Bible says in verse number 54, and it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication of the Lord, he rose before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to the heavens. And he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us, and he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. Verse 59, And let these my words, wherefore with I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times, as matters shall require. Look at verse 60, please. Mark it. That all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God, and that there is none else. Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God, and to keep His commandments as at this day. Turn with me over, please, just a couple more chapters. Chapter number 11, please, of 1 Kings. Chapter number 11 of 1 Kings. The Word of God says... But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonites, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go unto them, neither shall they come unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Look at verse 6. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did his father David. I want to preach to you this morning on this thought, Solomon's lost connection. Solomon's lost connection. Would you pray with me and pray for me? And as you pray, would you pray, Lord, please speak to me. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning. We ask this not be just another hour, another chapel service. Father, we ask you to do something in our midst, in our presence this morning. I pray you do what only you can do this morning, Lord, that's to speak to the heart of every individual here this morning. Would you guide us by thy word and help us in a very special way? For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, God bless you. May be seated. November 25th, 2006, the Kim family, Katie and her husband James, Penelope and Sabine, Penelope four years old, Sabine seven months old at the time, were driving from Oregon, uh, from Merlin, Oregon to Gold Beach, California. And they got on the interstate, Interstate 5, and um, that was November 25th, 2006. They were found December 4th, 2006, when the car had been stuck in the snow for nine days 
with very few supplies. See, the Kims were heading for Gold Beach on November 25th, but they missed their main route. They took a wrong turn, and they decided to take a shortcut there at Grants Pass. And they drove up a road called Bear Camp Road. Now, I looked up Bear Camp Road on Google Maps, and when you focus in and look in on the actual road on the trail on Google Maps, it said this road is closed from November until June, but back then they did not know that. And they were trying to just get to their destination. And as they started to go up this bear camp road, snow began to fall. And as it began to fall, and they got higher and higher up the mountains, um, Kim actually testified later that, or Katie, excuse me, actually testified later that as they went up the mountain, they had to stop several times just to remove rocks out of the road and on this treacherous path. As they realized they were too far up and too out of range, they decided they would go down to safer elevation and it began to snow and the snow began to fall. And as it fell there on Bear Camp Road, they decided to make another turn and they went down a logging road there to get out of the snow. But they decided they couldn't go any further and they held their cell phone up and had no cell signal at all. So they decided they'd camp out for the night and hopefully things would be better in the morning when they had a little bit of daylight. But things weren't better in the morning. The snow continued to fall and it was just blanketed all around. They left the engine running all night. They spent the night there and they thought, boy, now we can maybe get out in the morning. When they woke up, still no cell signal and it was worse than what they thought. They had barely a little bit of food. They ran the engine of that 2005 Saab station wagon, not for one day, but for three days until the gas ran out and they could no longer run the heater. Then for several days, they worked with the battery until the battery died. The babies and the parents, they had a little bit of food and crackers. Their children drank, and they drank melted snow. They even tried to find some berries, and they decided not to eat those berries just in case they had been poisonous. When their car battery finally died, they decided they would have to do something drastic. So they began to take the tires off their car, still trying to wait for help and hoping help would come. And they began to burn their tires just to stay warm there. At one point after all of this, um, Kim's husband decided he would venture out. And they would venture out just a little bit and look for help. But they decided to come back. Seven days had passed now. They were all weak from hunger. And James made a decision. He was going to leave the car and go look for help. As a matter of fact, he walked about 15 miles, the story tells us. The account is. And after he walked for about 15 miles um, that day, she, he didn't come back for the night and Katie got a little bit nervous. So she got out of her car and she got the kids with her and she started on the track, but got about, I don't know, about a half a mile or so and decided, I can't go any further. If I go any further, we might die. I'm tired, I'm hungry. So they went back to the car. What they didn't realize was that had now been gone for seven days and finally somebody had uh, alerted the authorities that the, the, uh, his family was missing. So they began to search for them, and James Kim's father was a well-connected man. His name was Spencer. He got involved, and he hired Carson Helicopters based in Merlin just to join the search. But it was private pilot John Rancher of Central Point who finally connected all the dots. You see, just days before, when they were plotting and planning, they found a little bit of a ping off a cell phone, the last area they were in, and they were able to track it down. And they were able to triangulate an area which they thought the Kims might be in. When John Rancher of Citral Point finally connected the dots, he read about the Kims in the newspaper, and he got in his helicopter about the same time, 
Hordes of people were searching and focusing on these bear camp area and this road area. But he knew the long roads. He descended towards Black Bear Lodge and beyond in the Rogue River's wild canyons. He knew there were actually several roads and he played on a hunch. He got within a mile of the Kim's car the first day. Then on the second day, he went back circling in his helicopter and he thought he was following bear prints, but what he didn't realize was he was actually seeing James Kim's footprints in the snow. He could hover with over 10 feet. He said, I could see tra tra track marks. I knew they were fresh. And finally, the second day, as he ventured out in his helicopter, day nine, day nine, there, he saw Katie and the girls. She was waving an umbrella back and forth and rosing her hands back and forth and asking for help and screaming as loud as she could. The helicopter found a safe place to land, and just within hours, they were in warmth, they were in safety, they were in the hospital once again, there, getting the treatment they needed. Unfortunately, James Kim didn't survive. He had died there on the mountain. Now you say, how did this happen? Well, number one, they took a wrong turn. They took a wrong turn. Number two, they lost their connection. Solomon's a man who had everything imaginable. He had wealth. He had women. He had wisdom. He had all the things of this world. But Solomon lost the most important thing. He lost his connection. He gained the whole world, but he lost his connection. You know, we live in a very connected world. We're connected to everything today but the Lord. The most important connection you need to have and I need to have is from the Lord. Every day I drive from my house to the office, and as I drive there, I, there's a dead spot that I encounter on my cell phone, and I can't make any calls. I can't communicate with anybody. I lose my information I can lose direction, if you please, because I have no signal. No matter how wonderful things are uh, with your device and your phone, if you don't have connection, it's basically useless. If you can't access what, what you need when you need it, it's basically useless uh, or, or worthless, excuse me. I go to the mountains. I love the mountains. You know why I love the mountains so much? Because when I go to the mountains, I lose signal. Nobody can get a hold of me. So somebody calls me, I say, I'm sorry, I couldn't, I, I lost signal. I like that. My wife and I and family, we go just to kind of get away from everything. We lose signal. We're out of range. Uh, we're not able to pick up the signal. And that's okay when you're in the mountains. And that's okay when you're on vacation. But I want to tell you, when you lose signal with God, it's a whole other thing. Somebody say amen right there. What happens when we lose signal? We're probably out of range. When you lose signal, you probably have something blocking the signal. Maybe the trees. Maybe the thick forest. Maybe there's no, uh, uh, basically no antenna around to help you get signal. Nevertheless, needless to say, in this story, Solomon has lost his signal, if you please. This is a story about the wisest man who ever lived except the Lord Jesus Christ. With all his wisdom, with all his knowledge, and with all his wisdom, he lost his signal. He lost his connection. And he ended up where he never thought he would end up. He never dreamed of going down that road. He never dreamed of doing what he would do. He never thought he would go back to chapter number 8 in 1 Kings. He's saying, look, walk with God. Have a perfect heart. Stay with him. Keep in focus. Keep that signal strong, if you please. But two chapters later, we read, but King Solomon. What happened? Listen, it's important. Uh, you lose, don't lose your connection with the Lord. It's okay if you lose your connection on your iPhone. But it's not okay if you lose your connection with the Lord. i got to ask you a question this morning. How's your connection with God this morning? 
How's your connection with the Lord this morning? There's an indicator on your phone that lets you know how strong your connection is. You can have four bars or three bars or two bars or one. Listen, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you this morning, amen? i got to ask you a question. How is your connection with God this morning? If we could pull up an indicator and a little bubble can come over your head and show how many bars you have or how's your signal, how's your connection with God, how many bars would you have this morning? The story today we see of a man who is blessed indeed. But the question comes, how did he lose his signal? Two important questions come this morning. Number one, how did Solomon lose his signal? And number two, how did he get it back? Can I tell you, Solomon lost his signal if you're taking notes. Number one, he ignored the scriptures. He ignored the scriptures. The old preacher said Solomon's life premiered in wisdom. It peaked in wealth and it perished in women. These preliminary failures which prepared the way for his greater fall can be readily seen in his loss and his violation of divine commands. If you have your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. I want you to mark a couple of things in your scriptures. How did Solomon lose his signal? He ignored the scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter number 17 verse 15. The Bible says, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among the bre thy brethren shall thou set king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. So here's some instructions for the king. Solomon's a king. Look at verse 16 in Deuteronomy. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, ye shall, shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives unto himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Look at, the end of, look at verse 19. And it shall be with him as he shall read there in all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of this law and these statutes, and to do them. Can I tell you, Solomon ignored the scriptures. What did he do? If you look back in Solomon's life and you look through chapter number 11 and chapter number 10, you'll find out that Solomon multiplied horses. You'll find out that Solomon ignored the scripture and he multiplied gold and silver. You'll find out that not only that, but he multiplied unto him wives. In our chapter here, chapter number 11, uh, the Bible says that he had uh, some 700 wives plus the 300 concubines. Neither, the Bible said, should we, he return to Egypt. Now, I know physically he didn't go back to Egypt. But Egypt has always been a type of the world. And Solomon, what did he do? He turned his heart to strange gods. What was Egypt known for? The many gods they had. So in his heart, he had turned back to Egypt. And then the Bible said he was to read the law all the days of his life. And my question is, when did this start? When did this start in Solomon's life? Did it start with the wife's? Did it start with the gold? Did it start with the silver? Did it start, did it start with the gods? No, I believe it started when he, stopped, when he stopped paying attention to the scriptures. When he wasn't in the word of God like he should be. When Solomon thought, look here please, when Solomon thought that he knew better than God, he was in big trouble. Before we judge Solomon today, we got to be careful. There's a lot of people I know who are ignoring the scriptures. There's a lot of people I know who are trying to justify what they do as they ignore and violate the Word of God. Listen, friend, you cannot violate the Word of God and wonder why things are not going your way. 
You can't ignore His Word and expect to stay connected. Listen, when Adam and Eve violated the Word of God, it cost them paradise. When Samson violated the Word of God, it cost him his life. When Moses violated the Word of God, it cost him the promised land. When Achan violated the Word of God, it cost him his family. When Jonah violated the Word of God, he became whale bait. When Saul violated the Word of God, it cost him his kingdom. When David violated the Word of God, it cost him his son. And the antithesis is true. When Abraham obeyed the Word of God, he became the father of many nations. When Joseph obeyed the Word of God, he wound up in the palace. When Joshua obeyed the Word of God, he was able to cross Jordan. He watched Jericho's walls fall down flat. When Naaman obeyed the Word of God, his leprosy was cleansed. When Daniel obeyed the Word of God, the mouth of the lions were shut. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego obeyed the Word of God, they were made fireproof, and they found a friend in the fire. When Mary and Joseph obeyed the Word of God, Jesus came. Listen, this problem uh, uh, didn't start uh, when, when he didn't lose connection because he did all these other things. He lost connection because he violated the Word of God. Listen, when did this all start? I'll tell you when it started. When he missed the Word. You and I can usually trace our problems back to where they started. And it always starts when we fail to obey the Word of God this morning. Help us, Lord, not to ignore the Scriptures. Do you remember when Mary and Joseph had brought Jesus to the temple and they left? You remember when they left and then they, they, came, they found out two days later, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus at? They traveled two days' journey back to find where Jesus was. Can I tell you where he was? He was right where they left him. Let me say it again. He was right where they left him. Can I tell you, maybe today you've lost connection. You think, man, how have I lost connection? How do I get it back? Where, where did I lose connection? It's right where you left the Lord. It's right where you left your Bible reading. It's right when you decided you weren't going to nurture your prayer time anymore, your quiet time. It's when you failed to bring your tithe. It's when you stopped praising His name. It's you, when you stopped walking God's way. When you violated the commands of God. When you decided you wouldn't forgive your brother or your sister or your mother or your father or that teacher. It's when you let that root of bitterness begin to spring up in you. It's when you got looking at things you weren't supposed to look at. It's when you disobeyed those in your life, not honoring your parents. It's when you lied to your supervisors. It's when you justified your own actions and your attitude. Listen, don't be involved in things that violate the clear teaching of God's eternal word this morning. God has given us his word not to enslave us but to free us. Somebody ought to say amen right there. He's exalted his word above his name. His words are spirit and life. His word still changes life. His word brings hope. Listen, stay in the word and stay with the word this morning. Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee. Listen, how did all this happen? Where did it happen? It all started when he ignored the scriptures this morning. Not only that, but it all started, number two, when he indulged in selfish pleasures. When he indulged in selfish pleasures. Two things I see in Solomon's life that caused him to lose his signal or this connection. Number one, unrestrained passion. The man had 700 wives. Can I tell you, I'm married and I'm, I'm, I'm wonderfully married. And Lord willing, next year we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage. Praise God for that. But I tell you, I, I, I don't want one, more than one wife. Amen? Indulged in selfish pleasure. If Solomon saw it, he had to get it. Solomon lived without rules. Passion's a good thing. But unrestrained passion will tear your life apart. 
Let me say it again. Passion's a good thing, but unrestrained passion will tear your life apart. Fire is good as long as it's contained in the fire pit or in the pit there, in the, the, the furnace. Fire is a good thing as long as it's contained on the stove. But let the fire get outside the stove. Let the fire get outside the fireplace and it will do a lot of damage. It'll burn your house down and it might burn your life down. Matthew Henry thought of, of Solomon and, and he comments on this passage and all these wives he had. He said, many think the main reason for these many wives was because the daughters of Israel were too grave and modest for him. And these foreigners pleased them with all their looseness and wantonness of their dress and air and of conversation. Listen, God's intention is for one man and one woman for one lifetime. Somebody should say amen right there. Anytime you add to the word of God, anytime you go after your own passions, your un unbridled passions, listen, there's always going to be complications. The Bible says Solomon went after many strange women. You know what that word strange means? It means out of bounds. Be careful when you are doing things that God says are out of bounds for a Christian to do this morning. How many young people, how many college students do things that are out of bounds with your devices, with your language, with your relationship, with the things you're flirting with, the sneaking around. Listen, I want you to know there's great safety when you stay in bounds, but there's great danger when you get out of bounds in your life. May God help us learn this lesson this morning. There's a man by the name of Samson. You know him. He's a man who lived his life out of bounds. And boy, he paid a price. He said, I don't want the girls you bring me, Mom. I don't want the girls you bring me, Dad. I want to choose my own way. I want to go my own path. I want to choose the girls I want to choose. Listen, uh, uh, Samson never thought he would end up blind and grinding and, and begging God for his life once again at the end of his life. No, it all started when he had this unrestrained passion. He said, I want what I want when I want it. By the way, how many of us are like that sometimes? God help us, this unrestrained passion. Then not only that, but I see he had ungodly pride. Anything that brings glory to who we are above who God is, is ungodly pride in our life. Solomon was worried about how he looked. Why all these women? Why all these horses? Uh, why all this silver and gold? Because it made Solomon look better. Because all the other kings of all the other towns were able to brag on how many wives they had and how much silver they had and how much gold they had. And it made him puff up and it made him look. Solomon says, well, I can't let anybody be greater than I am. The larger number, the harem that he had, he, he thought made him look better. And Solomon went from being the smartest king to the most self-centered king we've ever had. Can I tell you this? Write this down somewhere. God hates pride. Somebody say amen right there. God hates pride. By the way, we all struggle with this. You don't think so? You come up after church, after the, the chapel service. Let's get our picture together. Bring as many you want. Bring, bring, bring five or ten people. That's fine. We'll get our picture together. And I'm going to hand you the, your phone back. And as soon as you do, what do you do? You blow it up. And you don't look at me. And you don't look at your neighbor and you don't look at who do you look at? You look at yourself. God hates pride. This is all in us. I rest my case. See, sometimes we forget it's our job, as Dr. Gibbs says, to make Jesus look good. Somebody say amen right there. And when we don't, we want to make ourselves look good. That's when we get in trouble. That's when we get in the way. 
We have this me first attitude and all we can see is ourselves, and all we want is what we want when we want it. We don't care about who will hurt, who will harm. We don't care if it'll hurt our parents. We don't care if it'll hurt our pastor. We don't care if it'll hurt the testimony of the West Coast Baptist College. We don't care if it'll hurt our godly friends. We don't care if it'll hurt our loved ones. Listen, the signal gets weaker and weaker and weaker when these restrained passions and ungodly pride are in our lives and they're in our lives so it'll definitely hinder the signal. Listen, I love, I love a story my pastor told for years. He told this story about this couple who would sit in a truck and they were up in years, married for uh, quite a while, and they were driving down the road in the truck. And all of a sudden, they saw a young couple just been married just a while in the truck beside him. And they were close. And the wife was just right beside him. And they were snuggling, and they were kissing at the light. And boy, the, the, old, the older gentleman looked over at his wife and said, Do you remember when we used to do that? She said, I, I sure do. I sure do. And then the man thought to himself, well, What happened? What happened? And the wife said to him, I don't know what happened to us, honey. And he was in the driver's seat and he looked over at her and said, well, I haven't moved. I haven't moved. You see, the wife had moved all the way over to the other end of the truck and it was her fault moving. See, God, when he's driving us along and he's leading us along in a great way, he hasn't moved. The signal's still there. Hey, the signal's still there. But we're not in the place we need to be to receive the signal. God has not moved this morning. What hindered the signal? Number three, write it down, please. Not only did he ignore the scriptures, not only did he indulge in selfish pleasures, but he inclined his heart elsewhere. Go back, please, with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. The Bible says in verse number four, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wife turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, and was the heart of David as was the heart of David his father. I want you to circle two words in verse four: was old, was old. Look at the story again. The Bible said his heart was not perfect. He was old. This indicated a time in his life where he believed he thought he had arrived. He thought because he had been down this road and won some victories, he was okay. He deserved a little break. He deserved a little time off. Some of you here this morning, you're in Bible college. And you think, well, I'm not like others who've left, who've stayed home. I've left and I've actually come to Bible college. I'm in a good place. And by the way, you are in a good place. You're in a great place. And you, some of you think this morning, I'm okay. I don't have to worry about it. Friend, this was Solomon's failure when he thought he arrived, when he thought he could handle it, when he thought he could handle temptation. By the way, when you think you can handle temptation, temptation will handle you. The answer here is not to handle it. The answer here is to flee from it like Joseph did. Go through the door of escape to run from it. We have to realize some things this morning. Number one, nobody here this morning is immune from temptation. I heard you got some sickness going around. Thank the Lord I took my vitamin C this morning. Somebody say amen right there. And uh, I don't want to get sick. But listen, nobody's immune from temptation. No victory, number two, of the past guarantees victory in the future. Some of you have won some great victories. Maybe God's helped you in your life. Maybe at, maybe at this chapel services or maybe at a camp or maybe somewhere in your life you gave up some things and, and you turned some things over to God and you repented of some things in your life. Thank God for that. That's a wonderful thing. But I want to tell you, no past victory ensures us that we'll have a future victory. Not only that, write this down if you would please. 
Uh, our position is no substitute for a personal relationship. Our position is no substitute for a personal relationship. Some of you, are, how many of you are seniors? Raise your hand, seniors. Boy, you've made it, almost. That's good, there's a lot of seniors here. That's a wonderful thing. But listen, you need God as much today as you did your freshman year. And when you go out in the ministry, you'll need God just as much then when you're an assistant pastor, a pastor, a missionary, a teacher, a prince. You'll need God just as much then as you need Him now. Listen, your position is no substitute for your personal relationship. And no slackness in your devotion is harmless if you write that down. No slackness in your devotion is harmless. Listen, I want you to know one of the most important things you do is maintain your walk with God. This is the key. This is what it's all about. Listen, I thank God for the classes you have, practical theology and homiletics and hermeneutics and Bible doctrines and all these wonderful classes you have. Marriage and family, they're wonderful, but they're no substitute for your own personal walk with God. If you're not walking with God now, you're not going to walk with God then. Listen, learn to sharpen and shape in your walk with God. You say, I don't have time. Get up a little bit earlier. Uh, stay up a little bit later. Get in the book and let the book get in you. This is where Solomon went wrong. This is where others go wrong when they don't spend time with God. May God help us with this. Solomon serving, worshiping other gods. How can a person do this? Except for the grace of God, there go I and there go you. Think about Peter. Peter, the mighty Peter, big mouth Peter, right? Lead disciple. Lord's right-hand man, he would say. If he were here today, I was the Lord's right-hand man. I was right there with them all the time. I was on the mountain with him. Everywhere I went, I was with him. You know the story. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane, but before then, Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Peter said, hey, not me. I'll never deny you. I'll never do wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll never do that, Lord. And he said, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Not me, Lord. Like Solomon, he's full of that pride. Like, like, like Solomon, he's full of that passion. They go to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus tells those men to stay there and pray. Peter falls asleep. He tells them to pray again. He falls asleep again. Finally, Jesus wakes them up and, and they're upon him. Of course, Malchus comes and Peter gets all passionate. And he rips his sword out and, and cuts off the ear of Malchus there and the ear falls off. And, and of course, uh, we see what's happening there and, and Jesus bends down and, and, and places the ear uh, back on Malchus there. What, what a wonderful thing. And he rebukes Peter there. They take the Lord Jesus. They try and work on the Lord Jesus some and Peter follows afar off. He's warming himself by the fire. One time he denies the Lord, look here. Two times he denies the Lord. Three times he denies the Lord. The cock crows and Peter's eyes meet Jesus' eyes. And I guess he's thinking, how did this happen? How did this happen? Many people will say, well, it all started when he followed afar off. And that's a good sermon and that's a good thing to preach on. And we can, we can make that point. It all started when he denied him once or he got with the wrong crowd and warmed himself by the fire. It all Can I tell you where it all started? It all started in his pride. It all started with his ungodly passion. It all started in his lack of prayer and his lack of doing what Jesus wanted him to do. So what happened? He had this implosion, number five, write this down please, this implosion of sorrow Solomon did. 
I got to move quickly now. In chapter number 11, three things happen. In verse number 9, write it down by way of outline. We notice this implosion of sorrow that Solomon has in his life. Now he displeased the Lord. You can displease a lot of people, but let's don't displease the Lord. In verse number 11, we find out the kingdom was divided. The kingdom was divided. In verse number 14, the Bible says, The Lord stirred up an adversary into Solomon, Hayden, the Edomite. He was the king, seed in Edom. The Bible tells us in verse number 25, And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon. So what happened? What was this implosion of sorrow? He displeased the Lord. He divided the kingdom. And the disciplining hand of God was on his life. Why did this happen? Here's a man who started right and ended wrong. You can start wrong and end right. Praise God for that. But can I tell you the best testimony in all the world is start right and end right. If you're a freshman here this morning, let me encourage you. Start right and end right. Amen? If you're a senior here this morning or a sophomore or junior, start right and end right in your life. Turn with me lastly to Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 12. Not only do I see that he ignored the scriptures, the indulgence and selfish pleasure, he inclined his heart elsewhere. He had an implosion of sorrow in his life. But I want you to notice, lastly with me this morning, Solomon's inspirational sermon. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, he's wrapping his life up, his life's testimony. And he says in verse number 1, very familiar scripture to all of us, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. In verse number 8, if you look here, he says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Look here, please. Solomon's giving his testimony. And here's what he would say. I had it all. I had everything you can imagine. Everything. I pursued it all. You read Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If he studied plant life, if he studied animals, I mean, he just became an expert in all these things. And he pursued it all. And, and he, had, he tasted everything life had to offer. He said, look, I had it all. I had horses. I had silver, I had gold, I had wine, I had wealth, I had wisdom, I had wives. But when you get to the conclusion of it all, Solomon said, it was empty. Empty. I was empty. You'll see in the book of Ecclesiastes in Solomon's testimony, he says, everything under the sun. I searched for this and I searched for that. I try to get more horses and more silver and more gold and more wine and more wealth and more wives. But when I got to the end of it all, it was empty. Everything under the sun was empty. Empty. By the way, if you're searching for something today, don't be searching in this earth because everything under the sun is emptiness. So if everything under the sun is emptiness, we got to look to the one beyond the sun because that's where true fulfillment comes. That's where true blessing comes in our life. If there's no value in the things and the pursuit under the sun, then we need to look for what, or more importantly, who is above the sun. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Listen, we don't need to live our lives for the things of this world. We need to live our lives for the pleasure of Jesus Christ. 
We need to seek Him first. Listen, I, I thank God for, for how God works in this day. And I want to show God is still working in this day. It still pays to stay with the book. It still pays to stay with the blood. It still pays to stay with the blessed hope. It still pays to stay with the hymns of the faith. It still pays to stay with the preaching of the Word of God. It still pays to uh, stay with holiness of life. It still pays because, listen, you can have every gimmick you can think of in your church down the road. And you can have everything that you want. But if you don't have God and you don't have the connection with God, it is all vanity this morning. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, as we close, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We ask two questions. How did Solomon lose his connection? And how do we get it back? Can I give you the how you can get it back? Number one, get tuned in. There's never a problem with the signal, only the receiver. If you're not right with God this morning, you say, Pastor, you're preaching a bunch of Bible. I know I was in Bible college. If you're not right with God this morning, then get right with God. If you're out of tune just a little bit, then get tuned back in. The problem is we like to get out of tune just a little bit and we like to justify being out of tune. Listen, being out of tune a little bit or a lot bit is still out of tune. Get back in tune with God. God has great plans for your life. God has great desires for your life. God has great blessings for your life. But you'll never get them if you're out of tune. Get in tune with God. And then number two, stay in tune. When I come off the mountain from vacation, I, my phone starts to light up. I start to receive messages. I begin to have access again. When I get back to where I'm supposed to be, then I receive what I'm supposed to receive. This semester, let me encourage you students this morning, stay connected with the Lord. Uh, uh, be in tune with God. Stay in tune with God. Man, sing when it's time to sing. Say amen when it's time to say amen. Uh, uh, get close as you can to the services. and Listen, stay off your cell phones during the services and, and look at the man of God and, and listen to the man of God. God, as he preaches the word of God and more importantly don't just hear the man of God but hear God speaking to you and hear the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart and respond when it's time to respond stay in tune with God this semester you cannot be connected to the world and God it just won't work listen if you're out of range this morning if something's blocking your signal this morning get back in range remove the things from your life that are blocking the signal listen the only thing that saved the Kim's life was a little bit of signal that went through. Listen, I want you to have a great life for God. These teachers here and these professors want you to have a great life for God. A life that brings glory to God. And if you and I are going to have a great life for God this morning, look here please, we've got to stay connected. So may God help us this morning to stay connected.